Amen. Thank you, Ethan and Jacob. Appreciate that. Take your Bibles tonight. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And I'm going to pick up with uh, the thought that I was uh, preaching this morning. And a number of you, how many were not in the morning service this morning? You missed it. So I've got to preach that whole message again now. And then a whole other one for tonight. So um, anyway, um, <clears throat> I will summarize this morning's message very quickly. But uh, turn to Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse number ten, and I want to add another thought to that. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse <clears throat> number ten. We'll just read this one verse uh, tonight in getting started. It says, "For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation." not to be repented of. And we talked about the last part of the verse this morning, mentioned it at the close of the message, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So godly sorrow works repentance, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Am I warbling tonight? Is this not clear? Uh, try adjusting those mics. If not, Chris, let me put this back in. Turn me on on the pulpit mic and then Turn that one on and re reset it. Try to uh, so switch me back to the pulpit mic. Turn this one off and uh, reprogram the uh, signal and uh, see if you can get a new signal. Then we'll try it here in a minute. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight. I pray now that you would uh, meet with us. I pray you would let your Holy Spirit do a work in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would have godly sorrow when needed and not live a life with worldly sorrow. And Lord, I pray now that you would uh, meet with us in a special way, for we ask in your name. Amen. This morning, I began with the story of Herod the Tetrarch. And the story of Herod and his uh, killing of John the Baptist, the execution of John the Baptist, and I made the point that if you go to Matthew 14, verse number 9, <clears throat> it says this, when uh, Herodias' daughter asked him for, and we worked through all this uh, uh, verse by verse this morning, but when the daughter of Herodias, his wife, came to him, of course, she was upset with John the Baptist as well as himself because uh, John the Baptist had pointed out that it was wrong for him to marry his brother's uh wife. She had divorced his brother, Herod's brother. She had married him. And John the Baptist said, that's wrong, that's sin. And so uh, that got them upset with him. And it was Herod's birthday and they threw a big party and he had his uh, new wife's daughter come out and dance for them. And when she was done dancing, he said to her, I will give you whatever you want. And she in turn asked because her mother had already put it into her head to ask for the head of John the Baptist. And so at that moment, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 14, verse 9, uh, after he heard that request, it says, and the king was sorry. And but the verse continues, nevertheless, for the oath's sake, his promise and them which sat with him at meat, his, the peer pressure of those who were there. 
So he blamed it on his promise, and we made the point this morning, I wonder how many promises Herod had broken up to this point in his life. Uh, like many of us, uh, none of us have kept all of our promises, but all of a sudden he decided this was one he was going, he had to keep really because of the peer pressure of those who were sitting there waiting for his response. And so because of that, he commanded it to be given her the head of John the Baptist on a charger. And so John was executed. But the point I made is that the king said he was sorry but that his sorrow didn't do him or anybody else any good. And that instead of being sorry, he should have been, let's try this. Am I on this now again? Okay. Instead of being sorry, he should have had courage. He should have stood up to the people in front of him. He should have stood up to his wife. He should have stood up to his stepdaughter and said, I'm not doing it. Make fun of me, but I'm not killing uh, a man who could. He didn't, wasn't convinced of it necessarily, but could be a prophet. I'm not doing it. But instead of doing that, he killed John the Baptist. And I made the point about the, the, the issue. The point I'm trying to make is the fact that being sorry is nice, but it doesn't fix anything, particularly in this case. And I made, talked about how with my children over the years, you know, everybody's sorry. You know, they're sorry they did this and sorry they did that. Sorry did that. And at some point you want to say, look, I don't want everybody to be sorry. I want you to do what you're supposed to do. And so that was the point of the message this morning. We as Christians come to the altar. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the Lord, I think, sometimes comes to the point where he says, look, I'm tired of you being sorry, particularly when you are being sorry for the very same thing you were sorry for last week or last month or last year, the year before that or five years before that, where nothing ever changes. And folks, we've all experienced that with people who are not making a good choice in one area or another, and they are forever sorry, but they forever or they never change. And that's the point. There needs to be some follow-through. We need to have some courage and some strength. So in that case, we need to choose strength over sorrow. And that was the sum and substance of the message this morning. Now we come to tonight. And so again, following up from this morning, when it comes to doing right, we must choose strength and that strength for a believer only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. We must choose strength over sorrow. But when it comes to truly getting right, we must choose sorrow over strength. Okay? So there are times when we need to say, hey, enough with being sorry. I need to just start doing the right thing, do the hard thing. And at the same time, there are times when it comes to uh Getting things right, we need to be sorry instead of strong. What do I mean? Well, let's look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 10 again. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And that's the sorrow we talked about this morning 
Uh, that's, the, that's the sorrow that, that Herod had. And here's the issue with the sorrow of the world. Not only are you sorry before, you are sorry afterwards. You know what? The sorrow of this world never goes away. You're just always sorry. Sorry that I have this problem. Sorry that I don't get this thing right. Sorry that I don't deal with it. Uh, it is continuing and it precedes and follows the choice to do wrong. You know, an interesting thing, as we pointed out this morning, and going back to our passage from this morning, it, it begins in Matthew 14 with Herod hearing about Christ working miracles, and his very first thought is that John the Baptist had risen from the dead. Why was that his first thought? Because just like Judas Iscariot, who following the betrayal of Christ, went back to the temple and cast down the 30 pieces of silver before he went out and hanged himself, Herod knew what he had done to John the Baptist was wrong. Now think about it. Judas Iscariot was sorry after he denied Christ, right? He took the money back and when they, they said, hey, we, we can't do anything with it, he threw it in the, on the temple floor and went out and hung himself. He was sorry. But I'll promise you this, his sorrow didn't do him any good. The Bible tells us Judas Iscariot is in hell. But he was sorry, and he's still sorry. But it was the sorrow of the world. He will be forever sorry. And Herod was sorry. When he heard about Christ, he thought, boy, he's come back. And I don't think he was excited. I don't think he was like, wow, I, I, let's, let's go see him. No, I think he was kind of worried about the, if he's come back, uh, I'm in trouble. So he still was caring. My point is this. He was carrying this guilt. He knew he had done wrong. He was still sorry. He was sorry before he did it. He was sorry after he did it. And he is still sorry to this day. Now look back again at verse 10. For godly sorrow. Now let's talk about godly sorrow. That's, that's the sorrow of this world that we see at the end of the verse. But let's look at the godly sorrow at the beginning of the verse. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Notice this now. Not to be repented of. Godly sorrow. So there's two types of sorrow, a sorrow of the world and godly sorrow. It says it's a works repentance. What's that word repent mean? Repentance means a change of mind. Picture a 180 degree turn. So true repentance is I'm going this way, going the wrong way. And so I repent. It means I turn around and go the other way, the exact opposite way towards right. It is a change of direction. There is an action involved with it. It's not just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm making the wrong choices. I'm sorry I did it again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry because of the pain it's causing me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's not, that's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is, I'm sorry, and I'm going to go a new direction. I'm changing. I'm going to give up those habits. I'm going to give up those relationships. I'm going to start doing right. But there's more to it than just that as it is taught here in the scriptures. And let me just make this point in passing that we are thankful for the mercy of Christ. And we are thankful and, and the mercy that God shows on us. We are thankful for Proverbs 24, 16 which says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. 
Praise the Lord for that. But I don't think that is a license to fall. You follow me? I don't think, well, you know, the Bible says we get seven times. As long as we get back up, start doing right. So that means I can do the wrong thing seven times, get back up, and I'm still okay. You know, how many times? Well, when the disciples asked, uh, how many times can you be forgiven? And it was seven times 70. Folks, that doesn't mean God's like, okay, there's, there's number 300. There's number 400. There's number 489. There's 490. Ding, ding, ding. Your times are up. That's not what that means. That doesn't mean that is, those, that is not a license. That is, those things are to prove the mercy of God. But God is looking at the heart. And he's not giving us a license to sin in these things. And the point is made here in the scripture because here in 2 Corinthians, it says it is a repentance not to be repented of. Say, what's that mean? So here we are. I'm going the wrong direction. I make a 180 degree turn. I start heading the right direction, doing the right thing. But it's not to be repented of. What does that mean? I repent from doing right and go back and the scripture says no this when you make this repent this turn here it is a turn that you are never to repent from that you are to keep on going this way it doesn't mean you you live right for three months and then you repent of your repentance and turn and go back you follow me tonight if you're following me shake your head up and down and i'll move on otherwise We'll just sit here for a while. We'll just keep going over it. So, all right. So that's what it's saying there. That's exactly what that scripture is teaching us. That once you head in the right direction, once you get victory over sin, the idea is that you never repent from your repentance. That you never go back to the sin. Now, does that happen sometimes? Yes. And is God merciful and gracious? Yes. But I'm telling you what. If that becomes our habit, then this repentance to do right is of little value. And the sorrow that you expressed when you started doing right again is of little value. Because you didn't stick with it. So godly sorrow puts us on the right path to stay is the intent of it. And We can look at verse number 11, but before we get to verse number 11, let me give the context here to understand it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul had addressed numerous sins in the church. There's a number of them. One of them involves sexual immorality in the church. And because of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when the Christians in Corinth received that letter, they had indeed repented. Godly sorrow, and Paul's about to tell us that, but in so doing, he teaches us about true repentance. Look at it here. Behold this selfsame thing that ye, talking about the believers in Corinth, after reading 1 Corinthians, the first letter to them, which we know is 1 Corinthians, after that, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. So Paul is commending them here. He's saying, look, as a church, you did the right thing when I reprimanded you. Now look how he defines that here. 
what carefulness, look at these words, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation, anger towards the sin. Yea, what fear, fear of God. Yea, what vehement desire, strong desire to do right. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. I studied that word out. It's a little harder to follow that in our typical understanding of the word revenge, but it means vindication. What a clearing. So folks, when they got right, it worked them over. It wasn't just, well, you know, forgive, you know, God forgave us and we just go merrily on our way. No, it worked them over. It brought carefulness into them. They, got, they, they became more careful. Well, you know what? If you want to stay on the right path, you got to be careful. You know, if you're trying to go somewhere, you know, and you're driving and you're following, thank God for the GPS. But have you ever uh, noticed there's a few things about GPS? First of all, when you're driving the interstates, it assumes the direction you're going to go. You ever notice that? Nobody's ever noticed that. All right. Let me give you an example. You're not following directions. You're just driving and you're just letting your GPS track you, okay? All right, you with me? You ever done that? Where you see yourself moving along. And let's say you're driving down Interstate 34. This just happened to me. I noticed it last week. So you're driving. I was going to the uh, chiropractor. where I, So I get off out there at uh, Old 34, that exit. What do they call that old exit? Uh, that exit, Middletown, whatever, that exit. But if you're following on GPS, try this sometime, okay? This is a little trick. You can try it. So just follow, no, don't set directions to go somewhere. Just follow yourself. So you're driving down Highway 34. You get, and you just decide to get off the exit. You know where your little green or blue dot's going to go? It's going to keep going right down the highway for about 500 or 1,000 feet. You know why? Because they are thinking this is where you're going to go. That's how they keep. You ever notice how it's almost like right? I mean, you're there and it's there. It really hasn't processed at all. It's got to go up to a, how many, anybody know how many miles away the satellites are? The, there's three satellites involved with the GPS signal. Those satellites are tens of thousands of miles away. So you have to, your little blip has to go all the way up, hook neck to all those three satellites, figure out where you are, send it back down to you and put that little dot at the right spot. So what they do is they think they know where you're going to go. Are you with me? Then, after you take the exit ramp, about the time you get halfway down the exit ramp, all of a sudden your blue dot jumps across and gets on the right road because it just figured out that they were guessing wrong. And now it's going to actually put you where you actually are. And now, how does that fit in? Where was I on? <laughs> I don't know how that fits into this. But um, what's that? You have a question. All right. It's questions and answers tonight. It's just us folks. All right. What's your question, Unia? I'm saying you can, you can see where you are. If you don't want it just telling you, okay, all right? This is just me and Unia now. No, no. I was sorry. Well, I was sorry because I was going to the chiropractor, so I was sorry the whole way. But, but so if I'm driving to Des Moines, I know how to get there, but I want to know exactly where I am. Yes, I don't need it to tell me directions. I don't need to say when I get off to stop at Casey's or something, I don't need it screaming at me, amen? So I will just use it to see where I'm at. No, I just don't ask for directions. I just look at it. If you open it up, it'll tell you where you are, okay, without directions. All right, we got that covered?
All right, that is not in the scripture, amen? And um, so the point is, I have no idea what the point is, none whatsoever. But there was a point there when I started with that. And when I think of it, I will let you know, Brother Rabode. But the, um, I have no, man, I, it will come to me tonight. In the middle of the night, I will call all of you, amen? Uh, I will text you. But they had this direction. They're supposed to be going in the right direction, and you're not supposed to turn from it. I know that. How it fits with the illustration, I have no idea. But what is the hindrance to true repentance? Why didn't Herod get right? Why didn't he say, you know what? That was a dumb thing to say to my daughter or my wife's daughter. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Why didn't do it? I'll tell you why. Because of pride. The hindrance to repentance is our own pride. The hindrance to our, pre, uh, to our repentance is our own desire to do the wrong thing, our own sinful lusts. That's what hinders us from repenting. Do you recall the sorrow of King David when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet for his sin? Nathan comes to him. He says, thou art the man, you've sinned, talking about his adultery with Bathsheba, called him out. By the way, Nathan called David out, just like uh, John the Baptist called out Herod, but a very different response. What did David, then David could have had Nathan's head lobbed off. He could have had Nathan imprisoned. But what did David say? David said, I have sinned. You know what he did? David stopped in his tracks and said, you know what? I'm the problem. I've done wrong. I need to repent. And he turned around and headed the other direction. True repentance. He was sorry, but that sorrow resulted. It was godly sorrow. It resulted in true repentance, which means he turned around and went the other direction and didn't go back. Both so the person who just continues on in their sin, they're sorry, they're sorry. Boy, I'll tell you what, I meet a lot, you meet a lot of people who are sorry about their bad decisions. Anybody ever met somebody who's sorry about their bad decisions? Anybody met somebody who's very sorry about their bad decisions and they continue to make bad choices and wrong choices? And you're like, hey, uh, how sorry are you, really? If you just continue on, going the wrong way. But that wasn't with David. King David turned around and went the other direction. True repentance, godly sorrow. David chose sorrow over strength, meaning he chose sorrow over his own pride. He humbled himself. The strength of pride will destroy us if we let it. He humbled himself. Do you recall the sorrow of Job? Job 42, verse 5 and 6, after God spends three chapters calling him out. And by the way, Job was a godly man when his test and trial started. But in the course of that, some pride began to creep in. And God, in the end, called him out for that. And how did Job respond? We find it in Job 42, verses 5 and 6. He said, I have, speaking of God, he says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. 
Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job said, hey, I've been through a lot, but you know what? I haven't responded correctly. Folks, you know what? Sometimes God takes us through some very difficult tests and some very difficult times. And we're like, why, why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. I, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying, but you know what? God is refining us. You know what God's looking for? How are you going to respond? Are you going to become bitter? Are you going to be lifted up and say, why is this happening to me? This shouldn't happen to me. Are we going to become angry at God for allowing the trial? Or are we going to be like Job and said, you know what? God, forgive me for even thinking that what God's allowed to come in my life is somehow wrong and unjust. God, forgive me for thinking that somehow I am righteous and that the problem is everybody else. Now, the, the problem was his friends. His friends had big problems. But you know what, folks? Whenever we're pointing one, a finger at somebody, there's three of them pointing back at us. His problems were wrong, or his friends were wrong, but Job had his own set of issues to deal with. Folks, listen, just because other people are making wrong choices, doing wrong things as it influences us, just because things that have come in our life are maybe somehow uh, a part of, have been created by others, does not mean that we are without fault or sin, necessarily. Job repented, true repentance, godly sorrow. And what happened? God restored him. God blessed him. By the way, David suffered consequences for the rest of his life. He had things that came, uh, he had sowed wrong seed. It came up for the rest of his life. But at the same time, God restored him to fellowship and God used him greatly even after he had sinned. You know why? Because it was sincere repentance. It was sorrow, godly sorrow that led to repentance. Job's sorrow, godly sorrow that led to true repentance. Do you recall the sorrow of Peter when he was confronted with the fact that he had denied Christ? Peter went out, the Bible says, after, he, after the cock crowed the third time, Peter remembered, and the Bible says Peter went out and wept Bitterly. Godly sorrow. You know why when Peter preached later on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 got saved? Because you say, how could, how could God use somebody who had cursed him? At, the, at, at Christ's most needy, one of his most needy moments up to that point. And here Peter denies him. How could God later use Peter? I'll tell you why. Because when Peter repented, it wasn't just, I'm sorry, and he just continued going down the way of denying Christ. No, he, he, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me, and I will, by God's grace, I will never do that again. And he headed back and started doing right and stuck with it. Right. And by the way, though we just see them doing that, we don't think about the conflict that went on in their own hearts and souls. I can promise you this. That was not an easy thing. It is never easy to say, hey, the problem is me. Right. You know what I found? 
with myself and everybody else. Nobody out goes around volunteering and saying, you know what? The real problem is me. You know, the bad attitude is my bad attitude. The offense was created by me. I'm the one, I'm the one at fault. We just, that is just not part of our makeup, is it? It's not part of our makeup in the church family. It's not part of our makeup at home. You know, oh, honey, you know what? You know why things aren't as good here at home as they should be? Because of me. You know, I just, I'm not doing everything I should and have a bad attitude and I haven't been treating you like I should be and I haven't been saying, haven't been encouraging. I have, a, you know, I've been feeling sorry for myself and it's, it's my fault. No, that's not, that's not the normal. Of course, it's not my fault. So there, there you have it, Brother John. <laughs> so, Brother John will not agree with me because he loves his daughter more than me. Just admit it, Brother John. And uh, you're blinded by that. So, uh, but truth be known, you know, the brothers and sisters, you know, when's the last time, you know, you had a child come to you and say, Mom, you know what? This fighting that's going on between us, you know what? It, it, it's really my fault. And I'm, I'm really sorry. And my sister did this, and, 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 I didn't, and I'm the one who really caused that to happen. I, I started it, and it's, it's my fault. Forgive me. When is the last time you've heard that in your house? Has anybody ever heard that in your house? Son, I don't think I've ever heard that. And, uh, but, folks, that is not natural. It is not normal for us to say, hey, you know what? It's my fault. I'm sorry. And I'm taking responsibility and I'm changing me with God's help. But that's what true repentance is. That's what David did. That's what Job did. That's what Peter did. Rather than harden their hearts in pride, they chose godly sorrow, which is the sorrow of true repentance they chose sorrow over the strength of their pride. By the way, you know, it's interesting. We know we've, we've heard that, and I've preached it many times about David saying, I have sinned. But, you know, there's some other people in the Bible recorded as saying, I have sinned. One of them, very interestingly, was Pharaoh. Do you know on two occasions, you read the Bible in Exodus, on two occasions, Pharaoh said to Moses, I have sinned. It's in there. Do you know what? What did he do the next day? He hardened his heart and went right back to the direction. So you know what? This was, this was Pharaoh. So this is Pharaoh's repentance. He's going the wrong way. He's, he's doing the wrong things. He's making wrong choices. And he gets, uh, you know, the lice all over him. And he's like, I have sinned. He turns around the lice leave and he turns right back around, heads back the other way. He gets the frogs. I have sinned. Frogs go away. He turns right back around. Folks, is that not human nature? As soon as the pain goes away, right back to it. Man, it's around, it's around us. It's in our own lives if we're not careful. Lord, I've got all this trouble. Lord, help me out of it. Lord, help me. The Lord says, okay. And as soon as, oh, trouble's gone. I go right back to it. God help us, amen. 
We come to the altar. We're sorry, Lord, forgive me. Help me. I need to do better. Lord, if you'll just fix this problem for me. And he fixes it. And we forget all about what the decision we made at the altar. That's our nature if we are not. It's our nature and we have to do everything we can to avoid it. Pharaoh said, I have sinned twice. King Saul said, I have sinned on two occasions. Think about that. Do you know what happened with King Saul? He, he, and David is chasing him, and, and David could have killed him. And Saul's there, you know what? I'm the one who's wrong. David, forgive me. God, forgive me. I should have never tried. But, but you know what he started doing the next day? Plotting how to kill David. <laughs> he just went right back to it. After he said, you know what? I'm still alive. Well, I guess I can go kill, try and kill David again. You know, I bet if, if, uh, if you're a police officer, you could really identify with this, <laughs> with this message. You pull the person over. Oh, officer, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize it. I didn't know. I didn't see the light. I didn't know the speed limit. I am, I am so sorry. Look, you know, all right, look, I'm just going to give you a, a warning, just a warning. Well, aren't those, aren't those beautiful words? <laughs> I'm just giving. How many have ever gotten a warning? Amen. Oh, a warning. How wonderful. And then the next day or a month later, there are the lights again. There you are pulled up. And there, I wonder if you were to say to the police officer, how many people have you heard tell you how sorry they are more than once? Take an officer who's been in Burlington for 20 or 30 years. Ask him, how many times have you heard a person say it more than once, more than twice, more than how sorry they are? But the next time you see them, they're, still, they're, they're breaking the law again. Godly sorrow. Results in true repentance. Judas Iscariot said, I have sinned. He said, I've sinned. I've betrayed the innocent blood. Do you know what? It's too late. Though he was sorry, he never repented in his heart. Not true repentance. No true repentance. I close with this thought, just as there are many times when we must choose strength over sorrow there are also many times when we must choose sorrow over strength. Many times when we're about to make the wrong choice, faced with the wrong choice, we know it's the wrong choice, we're, we're sorry that we have to make that wrong choice, but to save face, to keep our pride, you say, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry I have to do this, but I'm going to do the wrong thing. That's exactly what Herod did. He should have chosen strength over sorrow. But then we come to those times where our pride is there and we've got to choose sorrow over the pride, over the strength. Got to choose godly sorrow over the worldly sorrow strength over sorrow sorrow over strength let's have heads bowed eyes closed tonight